the second child is is even worse. Zoe, okay. I'm just going to use that sound clip, by the way. The yeah. second child is the worst. <laughs> the second child's worse. Because you're like, the kid, Zoe. Oh, darling. Please believe me. I'll never do you no harm. Believe me when I tell Hello, boys and girls, and welcome back to the Vandal Tron Curious World Podcast. A man once told Buddha, I want happiness. And the Buddha replied, first remove I, that's ego. Then remove want, that's desire. And now all you're left with is happiness. What is happiness? What is happiness to you? It's a question that I routinely ask all the guests that appear on this podcast. It's an investigation that I have in my own life that really started the journey of creating this show and basically forced me to switch gears in my, in my life. Um, something that we don't really consider a lot in terms of our lives. You know, we think about, you know, you're in school, after high school, go to college. Um, after college get a job and then you know maybe you'll meet somebody and then you'll have a family and if you're at a job work to, for that job you know if you're if you're an executive you have to become a, a VP and then you know program director or whatever but do these things make you happy I don't know I think it's something we all struggle with, whether in a small town, in a foreign land, or in a big, booming metropolis like New York City. It's something that we investigate today uh, with my guest, Frederick Said, who uh, I've known Fred for, for many years. Uh, I knew him when he was, when he was single, and... Uh, Maybe it'll date us because now he has two kids. He's married and he has two kids. And I'm not married. Uh, I don't have kids, uh, although I am in a relationship. But, uh, you know, the aspect of children, uh, obviously children, we, we have children for, you know, to bring us happiness. But it's something that I've always, uh, I've always wondered about because uh, for many years I was... I was steadfast, like, I don't want to have kids because, you know, it's just not for me. I have other things to do in my life. But, you know, with other things that, have, that I've learned is, you know, try to have an open mind. Whatever it may be, whether it's food or activities or, or whatever. You just never know. Don't ever close doors. So, Fred gets into... Not just what it means to be a, a, a father and a husband, but really about making it all happen while keeping your head above water and working on your own personal goals and your own personal happiness. It's tough. And, you know, what I've learned from this conversation is we all have private battles 
that we deal with, you know, whether it's our friends or our loved ones or, or strangers. You know, we're all we're all trying to make our lives better. And if and if having a family is something that is gonna make your life more enriched, hey, great. And if you don't want to ever have kids, that's great too. I think for me, I've always been of the notion that, okay, best case scenario, I'm I'm reading to my daughter and her head is on my lap. And I think that's a great image. But that's my perception of what it is to be a father. I mean, it has nothing to do with her. I mean, I feel like that that's kind of selfish. But again, that's my perspective. I, I don't have the answers. I, I, I'm, I'm still searching and I'm still learning and growing. And I think that's the part of this journey. I think, you know, the more you, the, the more, once you learn something, then you just kind of snap back and say, Jesus, man, I don't know anything. And I think that's the whole point. And on the flip side of that, you'll meet people that aren't curious and they feel like they have things figured out or they don't care. And they become pretty uninteresting. Uh, and I don't think any of you are out there listening to this are like that. And so keep learning, keep striving, keep growing. It's okay to be confused. Uh, we're all in this together. So without further ado, my conversation with Fred Saeed. Hills, that was progress. When I moved, you know, even though it was one bedroom, small one bedroom, felt like progress. I moved to another apartment that was progress, a bigger and better place. And this place is actually a bigger place, but because I'm back in Forest Hills, it feels like I'm actually walking backwards in my life. Right. And ever since that, I mean, it's a great apartment. The building sucks for all hell. I mean, it, it makes my old building looked like the Palace de Versailles. I mean, dude, long story. It's but an older building? It is an older building. The elevators barely work. And uh, they stink and they're all beaten up. And my elevator is like traveling through the planet. So I get on the elevator and it's like... Da-dum, 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 like a, it's just, it's like, they just upgraded them too. So it's like, here's their version of upgrading. Okay, we got a brand new panel, right? Beautiful, glitzy. It's got, you know, it's got digital readout. <clears throat> it's great. The rest of the elevator looks like it's about to explode. So it's like the panels are like peeling off. The ceiling is kind of peeling down. They have two cameras because the other one doesn't work. So they instead of fixing it or replacing it, they put a new one. <laughs> so there's two cameras. My cousin walks up. Man, there's a lot of cameras in the other like, No, they just haven't figured out how to get the old one out. <laughs> you know, um, a friend of mine uh, is. It works at uh, Fifty Bayard, which is uh, over overlooks uh, McCarran Park. Yeah, yeah. The uh, there's a penthouse available for you guys. 
Okay, thirteen thousand a month. <gasps> or if you want, you could just buy it for three million. Now, I can understand buying for. Oh, look, you know what? It's an investment. Buying, buying, but thirteen grand. Thirteen grand. Like, it basically lights stack of money on fire. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you you probably are familiar with all this real estate that's going on, in, in especially in this area, yeah. Williamsburg and Greenpoint. I know. Where, but the trend that I've noticed is, it's all uh, it's all luxury condos. It's all oh, like, yeah. you know, no brokers fees, and right. you're getting an influx of one type of person, right? Which is a, the demographic is younger, uh, typically a, a young couple. Yeah. It, they may or may not have one infant, you know, right. child, um, but they're all yeah, it's all luxury condos. Right. So, I, I, are all these people just like? Foreigners who yes. just have a bunch of cash. Yes. You go like uh, it, I was. was tell, who was I telling? I was, I was telling my cousin because my cousin was over for July Fourth. And I said, you know, my building, my old building had foreigners, and my new building has foreigners. But there's a difference. My old, my building in Long Island City was Europeans. My building in Forest Hills is third world nations. So I got uh, China, I got India, I got Israel, I got Russia, I got everywhere in between. I got some Arab nations too. But I go in the elevator at Long Island City, I had French, I had British, I had Scandinavians, I had it's like it's like the wealthier guys go to LIC, Williamsburg, Main Point, right? And those are mostly Europeans, white Europeans, or White Americans that have a little bit of cash that's to spend, and then but they don't spend it on socks. They don't spend it on socks, or socks that are long enough, or same color. Um, Forest Hills is is like it's the place where you want to feel like you're wealthy, but don't exactly have the money to live in Long Island City, and that's everybody else. So I got I got tons of Indians, man. I feel like I moved to India. <laughs> Actually, Alex said it to me. I felt bad. I was like, he's like. Daddy, yes. It's a lot of Indians. I don't like that. There's a lot of Indians. I'm like, dude, you are half Indian. <laughs> he says, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. You're half Indian. He's in denial. But it's just, it's just. It. I feel like I'm doing the moonwalk. It feels like everything's just kind of. I feel like I'm walking forward, but at the same time, everything's kind of going backwards. Uh-huh. And because my career isn't moving forward, it, it's that it, it's. It feels even worse. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, oh, so we we're we're, yeah. we're already recording. Okay. In case you already. So, uh, it, as you know, this is a very, it's a free flowing conversation. Um, you know, uh, I, I, the feedback. The reason I created this show is, uh, it's for truthful conversation. And I think, like you know, the power of the internet and the power of podcasting, people can hear a conversation, and regardless of where they are in the, in, in the country or even in the world, they can kind of, you know, they can listen in. I mean, right. they're a participant of this conversation. They're just on the quiet side. Right. Uh, I think people can get, uh, they can see a lot of a reflection in their lives by some of the conversations that we have. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I've, I've always wanted to get you on the show is I think we go through a lot of similar things in our lives. Mm-hmm. I think you know we are different people, but in the core, we're we're very similar in terms of our values and things like that. Um, I mean, one of the themes that we go through is you know we're always struggling with 
you know, this, this jarring juxtaposition of, you know, the time machine of our lives, of looking forwards and looking backwards mm-hmm. and while still keeping afloat. Right. Um, and that's a challenge. And it's a, a, you know, part of it is like, you know, living here in New York and part of it is, you know, being, having a, a sustainable income here, mm-hmm. uh, the, the high cost of living. Uh, it's a challenge. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring in the show is, you know, provide some of that insight and, you know, how you do it and, uh, and uh, yeah, kind of pick your brain on that and, and kind of share some more stories, too. Sure. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, you were, you, I so, yeah. I mean, so, wait, I, you were you were in Baltimore in, in 4th of July? No, I was here. I had my cousin visiting me. We went to uh, went to the beach out Long Island. Long Island. And um, it was funny because I, I, I love my cousin. You met her, Jackie. And... But we work in two different worlds. She works in a, a world, or lives in a world of Baltimore where it, there is chaos there. Um, but the pressure of, what we're talking about, the pressure of being able to make enough money is a lot less, because the cost of living is so much less. And um, she can't understand at all why it's to live in New York City. Right. Um, and, and she, to be, to, to be honest, I mean, she never lived in Baltimore City. She always lived on the kind of the outskirts. So to say that she was she in lives Baltimore near Chuck Hopkins, right? Uh, no, now she lives um, a, a little further away from uh, where she used to live. It's a, it's kind of this weird suburban enclave, enclave within Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. Um, so they live in a quiet tree-lined street with just houses, no apartment buildings, which is really kind of bizarre if, if you know what Baltimore looks like. There really isn't much of that going on. Uh, but anyway, so so when I tell her about my struggles and my job and my finances, she's like, oh, it's her solution is always leave, move away. And it's, I, I, I've lived here most of my life. so. That would be very hard, especially at 40. I mean, maybe when I was 20, moving away would seem a lot easier. 20 and single, sure. 20 and single yeah. seems a lot easier. 40, married, kids, a lot harder. Especially when um, you're, you have a dependent that's actually not just your kids, it's your mother. Like, I, I take care of my mother, I help pay for her rent. Um, because her costs of living in New York are very high, and her Social Security doesn't pay for it, so I gotta, I pay, I help her pay her rent, and having her close to me and to the kids is really important. And since I'm her only child, and and she's divorced, I also have to make sure she's healthy and she's going to the doctors when she needs to go see. Um, and um, so, what's it wasn't as important. 10 years ago when I first got married as it is now because now my mother is 70, going to be 75. She's a little older, a little bit more frail, a few more health issues pop up and having the ability to just walk 10 minutes to her house is really important, more so than it was years ago. Um, and you know, as they get older, they, they, get, they get a few complications and, and I didn't Moving away is almost an impossibility at this stage. 
which is kind of tough to say. So th- this is a theme that comes up for anybody that's that you know I, I was I didn't grow up here, but I, I share that same plight. I've been here for for many many years now, and you know, my journey has changed, my perspective on life has changed, my my goals have changed, and I, you know, Kaz and I talk about leaving very frequently mm-hmm. to something fantastical to something very real right um but it what comes up for us a lot is uh you know economics Mm -hmm. you know the there's a high cost of living in new york but there's more opportunities here right so if you to relocate say uh memphis or austin texas i think the the way of life could be really great in terms of you know you're surrounded by nature maybe there's more culture um maybe memphis is the best example for that but um but there's a sacrifice and that sacrifice is the unknown which is uh you know how are you going to pay your bills Mm -hmm. and you're struggling so then you kind of circle back to well why then you're leaving what are you leaving for right you know what you're just leaving for it's more of a lateral move right well, it's funny because I had a, a, a friend of mine from high school, which I'm not, I'm not really good at keeping friends from my grade school years, but I had a friend of mine that I reconnected with through, the, through Facebook years ago. And uh, we met up and then really, you know, become friends again, but we've become acquaintances and stuff like that. Uh, but he actually wound up getting living in New York and living here all his life, and he uh, got an opportunity to take up a, a position in Portland with the same company he's in. And Oregon I think that, or Maine? Uh, sorry? Wait, Portland, which part? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, and, I, and I think that sometimes is the key. If I can take that job and move it someplace else and keep the same salary or something close to that, then it makes sense. He has, as I do, two kids. So it made sense for him. He, the cost of living is, is a little bit less quality of life is better, a lot more parks and such like that. Um, the cost of housing is cheaper. Um, that made a lot of sense. Um, but if you don't have that in the pocket, then all the other things come into play. Economics, can I afford to do it? Is there a job? If I lose that job, are there other jobs? Um, and I think for me with with my with Anita is that um, she works in advertising, and there is no better place in this country to be in advertising than in New York. Right. I, I feel like there could be other options, but there will be on a lesser tier. Yeah, and, and that's really she can't really. I mean, she really can't do her job in the South. No, I mean, I mean, what happens a lot of times in the advertising is that they'll open up an office in a particular city because the account is really big. So I remember years ago uh, there was a there was an advertising company that opened up an office specifically in St. Louis, Missouri, because they had won the Anheuser Busch business. And as soon as they lost that business, that office shut down. Right. So that's that's the disadvantage to this industry. You can't move because of an account or hope that it stays around. Um, whereas in New York, if if you lose an account, there's other accounts. There's lots of other accounts. There's lots of other options. Um, I know that her company opened up an office in Detroit because they won the GM business. There you go, man. I think we should both move to Detroit. Hell yeah, man. It's $50,000 for a house. (laughs) I could buy a block. You know Detroit is so bad they have wild dogs? (laughs) 
Well, no. To, the the funny thing about Detroit is, it's it is got some crazy. Cheap, just be careful when, yeah, yeah. when you hit that. If they people got with earbuds will just blow their. They got out. some crazy cheap housing. They got some mansions that are like lakeside that are like crazy cheap. And it's not all bad. I mean, for, in terms of crime or anything else or anything that we hear in the news, the private sector in Detroit is doing really, really well. Um, the public sector is what collapsed and went into bankruptcy, but the private sector is actually doing well. Um, like, I have this fantastical dream of buying this brand of watch because oh, I, I, I bought into the advertising. It's a company called Shinola. I think it's called Shinola. And um, it's a watch that's made in Detroit. <laughs> Wait up. No, hold up. So it's crazy because I, I went to the website, and the website, they make watches and oddly enough bicycles. I guess somehow they mix. But the funny thing is, is that, or actually the great thing about what they do is that they have bec have started like apprenticeships. So they're not teaching a bunch of white guys how to make watches. They're teaching people that are in Detroit, are from Detroit, who, who probably did something that is not at all aligned with watchmaking. And they're training them. And they, and they actually have this great video of how they're, they're training you know, the people to, to do watches. And I think that's brilliant. And that's, that's probably the reason why I would buy what, into what it. Are, uh, I mean, I'm curious what their, their profits are like. I mean, is, is I mean it's got to be great. I mean, you know, this do is... Do people still wear watches? I do. Well, I mean, I look at it from time to time, too. It's great. But I feel like people who only who, who wear watches are like people who need to do... Uh, in terms of their profession, or no, I think I think it's people like me who are just are not buying into. I need to look at my phone to look at the time. Well, I think most people look at their phone. You think? You know what I do? I'm guilty. I will look at my phone to see what time it is, but then I'll get a like a text, and I'll reply right. to the text, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even check what time it is. <laughs> well, see, see, that's the funny thing. I mean, I've as you know, as much as I love technology. There are a lot of things that I am so like opposed to changing. That's one of the, one of the things that is my watch, um, and I, I I still look at buying watches like that's the thing to do. That's what I want to do. And um, when I saw that brand, I'm like, oh, I gotta get a watch. And they're not cheap. I mean, they're they're not Swatch watch prices. I mean, I think that the cheapest watch is like a thousand dollars or something like that. And, but it's because it's made in America. And that's the other thing that I've also been very um, aware of recently. I mean, I think as, I was, as I've grown up, uh, I don't know that I'm fully grown up, but as I've grown up, I, I think that I've kind of gotten back to this idea that I'd love to have something that's made in America. Because there's not much of it. I mean, everything that I'm wearing is made someplace else, except yeah. for maybe this bracelet. America used to be the the, the leader in, in in making things. Right now we just we used to be innovators, but now we're just followers. We, we just, just create debt. Right, that's our that's our number one. Well, that that too, but but I think you know it's funny because um, Americans uh, and and this is my own version of history, but Americans during World War Two were innovators. We we were creators. We were designers. We were makers. We we changed the way everything was done, even the way uh, factories were built to streamline them and make it more efficient. Um, and what was interesting is is that everyone 
makes this uh, statement that um, we created the engine that was Japan, the one that took over in the 80s, that everything was made in Japan for most of the 80s. We were, there was even jokes about it, about how everything's made in Japan. And I remember this, I saw a thing, it was something like, like Back to the Future or something ridiculous like that. And, but it, Japan is kind of going through the same thing in the United States. Is everything is cheaper to make someplace else now. So it's no longer cheaper to make it in Japan, so we make it someplace else. And that place is in China, India, Pakistan, someplace else that labor is crazy cheap and really unsafe to make those products, right? Um, but I, I, you know, the United States has a really great pool of skilled labor. And the, they're just, they're having to rebuild that confidence in the American worker. And, um, and I think part of it was the American worker itself got too jaded with the whole idea. And, and the only reason why I say that is like, I remember I met a guy who uh, is, uh, lives in Flint, Michigan. He's a distant relative of Benitez. And he was telling me, he says, the problem is, is that these, you know, the union labor force, right? Um, that got laid off at all the, 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 the big factories in and around Flint and Detroit and all that sort of stuff, really didn't want to look for another job. And I said, that's, that's bizarre. You, you lost your job, you gotta do something. He says, but the they, is, they compensated? They get a package? Well, they get, I guess they got all, they all got some sort of, uh, some of them got service package. I guess it depends on how long you had been with the company. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I was just considering when they said they didn't want right. to look, I was just. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that plays into everybody's head. But the funny thing is they didn't even look even after that money had kind of dwindled down. And I said, why? He said, well, it's because they're expecting to get their jobs back. You mean at the same time? Yeah. Like. It's ridiculous. So you're sitting and waiting for the opportunity to come back, and it won't. So what do you do? And it's at that that blew me away because Flint is still. I mean, all of Michigan is. There's. It's no longer the center of American automobile. I mean, cars were made made in Tennessee and North Carolina and the South all over the place. Um, I know that my car, um, Subaru, manufactures most of the vehicles in Indiana. But not only that, but those those folks that are waiting around, they're not they're not skilled workers anymore. No, they're they're, they're, ex- they're right. They're not experts anymore. What what they did, yeah. They, they've innovation has surpassed them. Right. It's it's way beyond. I mean, it, we know anything with anything that's computer related. You know, you wait around a year and you've already become old. Oh yeah. I mean, I I I I. I I used to be in software and research and that sort of stuff and part of my problem with my career is okay well what if I go back what if I go back to what I was doing I'm eight years removed from that industry I am so far behind the game in the eight years that I've been out Facebook has become king Facebook wasn't that big in 2007 or whatever it was but in terms of now, I know this isn't what you did, but just, just generally yeah. speaking. But in terms of programming and, no, and coding, is it's, it still it's, the same, or is it that's no, changed? No, I, th- I think it's tremendously changed. I think everything's changed. I think everything's progressed. I think programming is not the way it used to be. I think even even like if I were to say the uh, the research aspect of what I used to do, um, everything's changed. I mean, Anita talks. To, uh, Anita was always talking about this concept of big data. Um, which 
Big Data didn't necessarily... The words never came together in a sentence eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, that sounds like... It sounds... Big Data sounds like big bullshit. <laughs> it sounds like something that a guy that would call himself on WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... But, but, so... I can't go back to what I did. It's impossible. I, re- I mean, two years ago, I explored the possibility. And the guy, uh, a friend of mine, who's, uh, who's at the TV, said... You, it's you're too far removed. There's you right. have to start from the beginning. Right. Well, it's like it's like you're. It almost sounds like you're like a pro athlete. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you can't, dude. You can't come back. Like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, go, you have to go start in the minor leagues yeah, and start right. to see if we can still do it. Like Brett Favre says, I can still play. Like no. Dude. Well, well, Let it's it like you you can't like you. Okay, I guess maybe that isn't the best analogy because if, in theory, I guess if you wanted to, you could, you could go back. But in terms of right now, like right now, Brett Favre can't play in the NFL. No. So like right now, play the Canadian league maybe. Yeah, maybe, or Mexican league. (laughs) He needs to put the the Grecian formula in his beard, man. (laughs) I know. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess you know the thing. So I, I went home for the Fourth of July as I as I try to do most years because it's my it's my mother's birthday, and it's always a time of uh, eh, I wouldn't want to say reflection, but you know just being home for me because uh, you know I you know, I went to high school in Virginia and you know my all my family's in that state, and uh, you know I, I always get that I always get the question how do you like New York and you know. And you know my answers changed throughout right. you know throughout the years, and now it's it is something that you know that we do consider in terms of leaving. But you know we don't want you know there's no point in, in running away from something. You want to run to something, right. and you know and we we've thought of ridiculous things from like Hawaii to right. Montana, places we never even been. Montana, dude, really? Uh, I saw this show and they had like a lot of horses. <laughs> Not to be, you know, wrong, but wouldn't you like to be the only Asians there? Probably. That's not. That was, <laughs> you that can was, open up an Asian restaurant. That would be mint. the column. That would well, be no, the you column. could be a. You could make a mint. You just open up a place called Japanese Thai, uh, Japanese Vietnamese, and everybody would flock. You. Oh, this is awesome! Yeah, they wouldn't. Best know. thing I ever had. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with regardless of where you are, whether it's New York or Montana or Hawaii or L.A. It's you evolve, you you change, you know, and, and and even though like a lot of times where I feel like I'm in a rut and I feel like, you know, like you were saying, like I feel like I've, uh, you know, two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back, and like what the fuck, I'm, why am I still doing this? Right. Um, there are things that we can't control, but we can control how we react, mm. and that's what I always remind myself is like, okay, I can control how I react. Like maybe I could have done some things differently to get myself in this situation, right. but fuck it, I'm in this situation. So that being said, I can control how I'm going to react to this situation. I can flip out. I can be a big baby. I can cry, or I can be constructive and try to learn from this and and you know move forward. Right. Um, I think everybody wants to improve their situation. Um, oh yeah. Uh, unless you're lazy or stupid or <laughs> just complacent. But we know I, a lot of people like that. Yeah, yeah. I think the the thing is is like you know are you are you growing as a person you know and, and uh, to to that extent I, I feel like I 
I'm, I am happy. Right. I, I've been thinking a lot about this because I, I, I've been doing a lot of you know work on on myself in the past you know year or so, mm. maybe you know two years. Um, you know, ever since my first trip to Japan, uh, I really reevaluated about you know who the person that I wanted to be. I wanted to be a kinder person. I wanted to be you know I really reassess what was important to me as a as a human being. But it's funny, you know. Now I'm sitting, you know, sitting across from you, 2015. You know, I'm aware that it's human nature in our society to evaluate things based on accomplishments, based on you know how much you know what we have in the bank or and things like that. Totally. And one thing that I think I am aware of is that I operate on two planes. There's the there's the nobility in me, which I think I gained from that trip, and I think I've been able to sustain, which is, you know, celebrate what you love mm -hmm. and not celebrate what you hate, and you know, be positive and you know, try to do good in the world. But there's also a trivial side of me that's just like it's kind of like a hater, mm -hmm. and it's just like, man, fuck him, fuck her, fuck yeah, yeah fuck every, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Fuck everybody. Just take a water like That's a, a great a fire hose, a fuck you, and just put it on full blast. And for a while I try to keep that at bay. Mm. But I think lately I just kind of accept it. That's just that's just a part of me. Well it's it's funny that you say that because I was talking uh, again, I think I was talking to my cousin. I did a lot of talking with my cousin. Um I think the best example of um, a, a result of of the problem or, or the, the battles that are going in my head is actually Alex um, and what I'm doing with Alex or what I'm having Alex do um, and, and I'll explain it's like you have so Alex greatest kid in the world right and they always say that you know, you you. This is your opportunity to mold your children so that they're better kids and, and, and they can succeed in life. And even it sounds preposterous; he's only four years old, but you still do it as a parent. You still do it. And I would say ninety percent of what we do with Alex or what we do with Zoe is actually projections, meaning we're projecting things onto them. Sure. Um, and my the battle that I'm having right now is is that I want Alex to have all of the chances to 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 enjoy himself and to find things that he enjoys. So what I'm doing is I'm overloading him. Uh, I gave him his weekends his week consists of tennis during the week just for summer camp. It's not crazy, but it's a couple days a week. Saturday he goes to gardening class. Saturday afternoon he goes to swimming class. Sunday morning he goes to reading class. Sunday afternoon or a couple an hour later he goes to a piano class. So I'm trying to give him all these things and I'm expecting him to be super excited and awesome at doing everything. And part of me is the, the battle that I'm having with myself is holding back. Because I'm, as I said to my cousin, 
I'm trying to make him something that I'm not. Um, I'm trying to. You give, mean as a child or currently? Currently, that's the problem. So I'm trying to give him a possibility of being successful, and he's only four years old. Um, because I'm trying to find it, find something that he's going to grasp onto and and make a billion dollars doing. You know, and and I, that's not fair to him, but it's something that I, it, because I, I I see my own failings and the mistakes that I've made, and I make I sound like a sixty year old guy sometimes, but I feel like those mistakes are what is causing me to to react a certain way with Alex. And so all those activities that he's into or that you've enrolled him in, uh, does what's his uh, enthusiasm he level? <laughs> Swimming. Does he have the the floaties on his foot? No, biceps? no, no. He's 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 got like he's just he does whatever the teacher tells him to do. He's actually in class with his uh, best friend from day school, and he's he he has a bit of a water phobia, so it's also that plays into the idea that he does not like swimming. Actually, when we got out of swimming class the first time, he's like, I don't like swimming. I'm like Alex, you got to give time. I don't like that that he told me to jump in the water. I don't like getting wet. I don't like getting wet. What are you doing? I mean, he's got water phobias. I mean, I, I, it, it happened. Where's that from? Uh, well, it was kind of funny because he's always been mortified of the shower. And um, something, uh, Zoe and Alex were bathing. And she um, pulled that lever that turns on the shower from the, from the tap. Mm-hmm. And the shower turned on. He was terrified. Literally jumped out of the bathtub, screaming, um, and ever since then it's been like a switch for him. So he get whenever he gets in the bathtub, he won't let me leave as long as the water's on. To, even filling up the bathtub, I can't leave until I shut off the water because he's afraid. And he said to me, he says, "I don't want to drown." But I feel like. Being enrolled in a swimming class is actually a good thing. I hope so. I mean, I think it's. I think. I think. I think we all know that it's a good thing because he has this negative experience, right. and now he's right. even and though he may not be really, really into it, he's has all this added other experiences right. into it. Right, and I think. I think eventually he'll he'll get a comfort level to it, um, but it would like for example with piano class, I can see that he like I get him. I ask him, you know, okay, so we have to go practice literally. Five minute practice. We're not talking about half an hour of practice. Five minutes. Oh, that's boring. I thought you were going to say that's bullshit. <laughs> no, he said that. <laughs> then he got slapped across the face. Yes, I slapped my children. If they were warranted. Um, but he, man, he just, like, that's boring. I'm like, oh, come on out. On the other hand, his reading class. He is excited about reading. Like Anita will take him and okay, Alice, we gotta st- we gotta go, you know, practice our reading. Okay, up and running. What does he read? Uh, well, he's learning how to to read the first letter and try to enunciate through the word. Oh, so it's like actual so mechanics. Yeah, so he's learning the mechanics of reading words. Um, as it, this is all in preparation for kindergarten, which amazingly he's at the in uh, September. Wow, so, bizarre. Um, but yeah, so I think I think this unbelievable thing is that you know how much parents project on their kids, especially when you're at a, a life stage where I'm at, where 
feels like uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, two steps, two uh, one step forward, two step back sort of mentality right now. And I'm like, I can't let him develop that. I can't let him go on that path. And everyone goes on their own path, but feels like you know, as long as I got, you know, the steering wheel in this car, I'm gonna make sure he's getting steered in the right direction sort of concept. Um, and it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. What has uh, I mean? What has being a father uh, provided? Did you, did you in terms? What what has that provided you in terms of perspective? Because for me, I, I, I feel like it would just give me so much anxiety. It is anxiety. It's anxiety in in a different way though, because. Um, so people who are listening who are doing coke, you just they should just have kids and be responsible. Try to be responsible oh, parents. Man. Instead I mean, of doing cocaine. I got I got I got two kids, and I know my cousin is never. She's already said there's no way I'm having two. It's impossible because it's a it is one kid's a full time job, two kids is like working the night shift, <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough because. I, I mean, it, it's there's a lot of stress in it, but there's a lot of reward too. It's not like a job, you know. There's a risk reward thing. No, it's a lot different than that. Um, the the reward is is that you're you're seeing real time your efforts. Like you can work a hundred years at a job and feel like you've done accomplished nothing and you've contributed zip. Right. This your kid. Or any kid, if you're a parent, in a month they'll learn a new word because he told them how to say it, and they'll say it over and over again. Or in my kids' cases, I like the Beatles. My kids know the Beatles because of me. They sing the songs. They ask me for music. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. What you're saying? I'm brainwashing them. Yes. Yes, it sounds like brainwashing, but also it sounds like uh, yeah, like you were saying before. It sounds like you're. Inter- hey! The lovely, the lovely cause has, has, entered, has entered the room. <laughs> I'm the Egyptian in your life. You look the same height. It's great. It's amazing. You haven't grown. You haven't shrunk. Oh, man. Yeah, well, yeah, a bull. I mean, that's what the part of the, sh- the, the show is. Uh, you know, it's all impromptu. There's no apologies. So I mean, I'm waiting for my, list- my, my listeners know. Yeah, that's fine. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, no. Oh, so what I was yeah, so uh, what I was saying, so it sounds like to me it, that, that that like you were saying, you're you're personifying. It's almost it almost sounds selfish. Uh, again, playing devil's advocate. Absolutely, absolutely, but. It's you know what it is is that you know as I said this is our only up until they turn into their teens this is then my only op- out. this is no yeah exactly this is my only opportunity to mold the kid and to to give them but when you say hang on so when you say mold what do you mean exactly um, to put him in the ideal image of myself that sounds like Hitler hell yeah. <laughs> Dude, man, 
what, what am I going to do? Let them run around and, and light fires and sewers like I used to do? <laughs> well, that's what the kid. That's what the parents do in the upper, like the Upper West Side. Like you know, trust fund kids who like go to like Trinity and like yeah, let my hair, let my kids' hair grow out long. Oh hell no, man! My kids gonna learn the hard <laughs> way about life. I'm, I mean, I uh, as when I used to tell people. I used to have people come over and visit me in Long City, and I used to have the kids, and I'd scream at my kids anywhere, street, elevator, home. I don't think anybody else has their kids anymore. Like their kid, no, Johnny, you shouldn't do that. That's not the right thing. I'm like, stop it right now. Come here. And then, and then I yell at him to stop crying. By the way, and he does. Well, he he could. He did one of those, and then he stopped. Zoe does the same thing too. But I feel like that'll just that'll be the rest of your life. Hell right? yeah! And no, maybe. it's only until they turn into teenagers, and they, then they like basically go. They just shut the fuck up. Dad. Exactly. So uh, I, that's what I'm saying. I only got this time, this you know, this 12 year period of completely. How would you describe? Life. How would you describe uh, Anita as a parent? She's great. She's more patient than I am. Uh, I mean, I, I have. Let me be. Actually, no. Let me, let me rephrase that. We both of us have limits. We all have our limits, especially with kids. So whether it be crying or whatever it is, we all have our limits on how much we can take from our children. And um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, that's parenting one hundred and one, everybody. So, <laughs> so some people take it to the to the to the extreme and put their kids in closets. We all have limits, goddamn it. Right, exactly, but. But Anita's actually really good at, um, I think we're both good at knowing where we've kind of hit our limit. Um, and then we, we'll take over from there so that way we don't explode. Okay, well here, okay, I'll, I'll hone this in a little. I mean, I, I've i always seen Anita as a as a type person, type A? Is, yeah, that, is that accurate to say? Much. Okay. No, I love Anita. Type A. Anita, Anita type is... Type A-A-A, actually. Okay, Anita, if, if, if this reaches your the earbuds and, and you're listening to this on your way to work... I love you, honey. I, I, I absolutely... I, lo- I love you. I adore you. I love you. Okay. A's. Yeah, yeah. A's. But she's always struck oh, me as somebody who's like, I'm taking charge. Well, yes. And, that, and, and, and it, it worked. See, in our household, we, we, we've developed kind of this uh, great sort of relationship where... She does certain things, I do certain things, and we just, it's kind of like, you know, you, 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 you know, you guys got, you have guys that are on an auto line, guys put on, you know, the wheels, some guy puts on the interior. That's what they do all the time. I do the same thing in the house. I make the kids' beds, and either feeds them at night. Right. Um, and that's the way we kind of, and it's also good because kids get into, they like routine, they don't like things that break, so... Having a need to feed them or stuff like that actually makes them eat better, bizarrely enough. Um, but yeah, she's she's a type A, but she's kind of with the kids relaxed a little bit. So like for example, like Alex wasn't all, Alex was not allowed to get dirty. Like, would he be outside? It's not allowed to get dirty. No, get off the floor. I'm like, Anita, what are we gonna do? I thought that helps with the their well, immu- that immunity. Was, well, that's one thing we've we've that was in the very beginning, and, and I, I think we've got she's got we've gotten a lot better. About so it. as like an infant, he couldn't he couldn't get dirty. Well, no, I think, be a dirty baby. I, I think we were I think we were better than most, 
a lot of people that have their first kid, they want to raise their kid in a bubble so they never get anything or never touch anything or never get hurt. Um, Alex never, we, we were very liberal with Alex by a lot of other parents' comparisons. Like, we never put those, you know, they put those little rubber things on the ends of the table. Yeah. We put them on for a little while and then they'd fall off and we never got back to putting them on. So he, he learned not to get hurt on the table. He, we put the, you know, he used to have a, a uh, he used to have the regular crib, right? And we tried that method where they let him cry it out so they can go to sleep. Alice never bought into that bullshit and uh, he jumped out of the crib. <laughs> he, this was before, I think this was before he could walk. He was able to jump out. So he was like a little squid. He just jumped out of the crib and crawled over the door, and I heard him knocking on the door, <laughs> scratching the door like a cat. Um, but no, but we, she's gotten a lot better. I think we both have adjusted the fact uh, our lives in a way and our personalities in a way to accommodate the fact that we got kids and we have to be patient. We have to do things a lot differently with them. Um, and the second child is is even worse. Zoe, okay. I'm, just use, like, I'm just gonna use that sound clip, by the way. The yeah. second child is the worst. The second child is the worst. Because you're like, the kid, Zoe, here's a perfect example is when, when you have one kid, you buy things at stages. So, you know, they'll, they'll play with certain toys until they're six months, and then they play another set of toys until they're a year, and they play with another set of toys. So it's a progression in terms of what you buy for them, right? The problem is that when you have a second kid, those older to children toys are still in the house. Right. So the kid, the younger child, has no idea. So Zoe eats Play-Doh. Mm. Zoe has probably swallowed a few coins that she probably shouldn't have. Wait, they don't influence each other? They do, but she doesn't. He he didn't know that. She, so like she'd do things on the sly, and Alex wouldn't know that. Like she'd like. She'll, she'll be playing with Play-Doh and then, and then she'll eat one piece and then she'll eat another piece. I, I can't tell. Does it make her sick? I, no, because sometimes we use, we, uh, Anita's to learn uh, from my cousin how to make homemade Play-Doh. It's just really good. It's how do you make homemade Play-Doh? Flour. Oh. Just regular baking just flour. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, so she'll, she'll take a chunk out of it and one day we just saw her whole mouth full of like blue Play-Doh. <laughs> so with the second kid, you're a little bit loosey-goosey. You're not as stressed out. And I think it makes you actually a little bit more relaxed parent because you're not always worried all the time. If they hurt themselves, they have to learn. So they won't do it again. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that soundbite too. <laughs> so, uh, I, think I, I think I may have asked you this, you know, uh, in, in, you know in passing. Now that you're a, you know, you're, you're a father, you're, not a, you're a father of two. Does that make you more sympathetic to idiots or less idiots in what sense like who in, in, like what type of idiot there's a lot of them. a random idiot that you don't know like somebody who's just like no it, somebody who's rude um i am i am more you know i, I think i've actually become more sensitive um, Say like you're driving. Okay, so you know you're driving. Oh no 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 no. Dude. Okay, no, okay. No, 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 driving. <laughs> I'm still in a New York cabbie when I drive my car. Right? That, so you're that, not you're, that, you're not 
You're not a father. I, I won't go 100 miles an hour on the highway without I have two. Somebody kids. cuts you off, or somebody does something oh, I, very I, I like mean, belligerent. If they're in the car, if the kids are in the car, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, do, do whatever you want. I don't want to put the lives of my children and my wife at risk. But if I'm by myself, I'll put my own life at risk. <laughs> I know that's terrible, but it, I mean, I, I, as, as a person, I think um, I'm, I'm more aware of. Um, Actually, a lot of things. Um, um, other children, other parents that have children, like let's say on the subway, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to get up for a woman that has a kid. Um, whether even if the kids like Alex's age, the, the kids get tired. They need what to if the kid's down. being a dickhead? If he's a dickhead after I've let him out and see him <laughs> sit on his lap. <laughs> um, no, but wait. I, what about if you see a mom force feeding Cheetos to her baby? Oh, that disgusts me. I see people do that shit. No, I've seen people give their kids, like, junk food. I saw a kid. I saw a kid at the park, right, who's, it was pissing me off because he was, he stole Zoe's ball. But I didn't, I didn't say anything. I thought, all right, he'll eventually give it back. Um, but this kid's probably seven, right? No joke. So they're having a picnic. This family picks up a two liter of ginger ale and goes like this. Starts chugging on the two liter. <laughs> I'm like, you're already overweight. Your parents yep. should be paying attention to this problem. You can just say like, I have a crystal ball and I see your future. And <laughs> it is be diabetes. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I, so what I was mentioning was, is that, you know, as a, now that I'm a parent, I'm, I'm I'm very acutely aware of, you know, how parents treat their children, um, how the news media talk reports about children being abused, and that 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 upsets me. I gotta actually stop reading that stuff because it affects me so much. Because I read about so you're not going to subway anymore. Subway? Cause you're, Jared, you heard about that? Right? I heard. I heard. I just read about something about him separating from. From Subway, but I didn't. You don't know why? why. I know okay. that, that, that he's being investigated for yeah, something. You don't know why he's no. being investigated? No. They he uh he, they had like a sting on his house because he uh, they're investigating him for child pornography. <gasps> so that so that so that's why Sub, that's why Subway was like you know what we're not even waiting fuck this guy no shit and they removed him I from everything doesn't he have kids though yeah what the fuck is wrong with him. I don't know, man. That's yo. You, see, but anyway, so that that kind of shit. I mean, there's what's happened is is that I'm overly sensitive to what's what people do to their children or what are happening to children or things that are happening in schools between children or the concept of bullying. Which when I was growing up, I know I got bullied, but I I don't know that it's I don't I don't know what what's happening today versus what was happening then in terms um, of bullying in terms of I think of bullying, it's a lot like I think like I, technology I think technology you're right I think technology has changed the way people bully and it's like gang bullying so that's what the trolling and this whole thing about they're attacking people through the internet through Facebook or through Twitter or through whatever else I think that's really changed the dynamic of bullying than when I was growing up which was just classroom bullying you know you walk out and that's it 
you're done. The bully. Right. I think now I actually had somebody on on the show, um, and she was kind of she was getting into sure. Uh, she she does she does blogs and 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 so forth about cyberbullying and 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 yeah she was saying it it's the the thing about cyberbullying I mean again I I'm very I'm sensitive to, nobody should be harmed in any way right. but you know when you think of like the word cyberbullying you think of like yeah I mean yeah you know we we come from that old school of like somebody bullies you so you either have to man up or you just right. get pummeled so right. yeah you man up you kick the shit out of him or whatever so the word cyberbullying to me there there isn't there is a again you know like I was saying before there's a yin and yang and there's a part of me that's just like what the fuck yeah but yeah I mean the way she was describing to me is like it's an ongoing thing because right. it's technology it's it a barrage a barrage on. of people just and, and that's the thing I, I, so what I was saying what I, what I was trying to get to is, is that with, with with having kids all this shit is is affecting the way I raise my kids or I I see other people raise their kids everyone's a critic when you become a parent you become you, a critic of everybody else do you censor uh, what Alex watches absolutely I censor everything that they watch. I don't even let... I don't let people post pictures of my kids on the internet. Um, I've already... I, I mean, I had a... a, a it, was, it, was, it wasn't It was intentional and they didn't understand what I was trying to do. But I, I went to... Uh, I was at, went to Baltimore for Easter. My family took lots of pictures. And, um, a, a family member posted up pictures that had uh, my kids in it. I said... I wrote an email very nicely. I said, do me a favor, take all of those pictures off. Um, my kids are far too young to be exposed to whatever on the internet. Um, I am very cognizant of the fact that whatever I put on the internet is no longer mine. And I don't want, I don't want my children ha having any problems on the internet or me having any problems on the internet. I don't want anyone seeing my kids until they're ready to put themselves onto the internet. Right now, there's too much, too many sickos on the internet to worry about, and I don't want to have to deal with that bullshit right now. Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, I mean, I can only imagine. Uh, I mean, I, I know, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, I know other parents will disagree. I mean, I know that parent. I've seen. I know. I have a, a friend of the family um, that used to post pictures of her uh, eight-year-old daughter in a bikini or a bathing suit. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, this is, this isn't this approval, is, huh? Right. Approval? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I mean, but what about like, like, uh, like violent like movies that you know, like summer blockbusters have like. I mean, I don't watch it all that much myself. I don't watch. Does he like? Would does he? Would he be into that? No, like Transformers. I mean, the, the most violent film that Alex has seen is Jurassic World. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, and that's purely because he loves dinosaurs and that it's. Do you like it? Oh, he loved Jurassic. Is that 3D? Uh, no, just uh, we didn't see 3D. It was just a regular screen. Um, but he, I mean, he enjoyed it because he loves dinosaurs. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's appropriate yet to expose him to violence, unnecessary violence. I mean, he's going to expo get exposed. Yeah, well, there's point. different types of violence, right? right? There's like the Michael Bay type of violence, and right. then there's like a violence where like somebody's getting their Right. Throat slit. right, and 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 yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, there's, I think there's going to be a time and place that he's going to be exposed to it at some point, and I'm not going to be in that control. I mean, I, <laughs> I uh, a funny story that I reflect on is that when 
you know, I, I grew up with an Egyptian father who was like, you know, you know, really, really strict. I couldn't say the word damn in front of him until I was 15. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Damn. And my, 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 my way of convincing him that damn was okay is because they said it on TV. Um, but so there was, a, I had a lot of house rules and there was very strict regulations in my house. Um, and I remember I had a, a neighbor um, who, you know, she, she, she lived like five or six houses down and she was wealthy and I'll explain why she was wealthy in a minute, but she was really wealthy in it. And in her basement, she had her father had set up a, um, you know, remember back in the day when they had projector screens? Like they had a big projector and then they had a, a, a like a, a... Like in like in science class, so you pulled out... Yeah, the, well, the, no, 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 but it, it had like a red, red, a green, and a yellow, and it would project images onto a really big screen. So you can watch like full-size television and not be distorted. On the wall? On, on a wall or a pull-out projector. Yeah, yeah, I knew some kids like that. Yeah, so she had one of those. I mean, it's, these are really expensive devices, right? So, so what did we watch one day? Scarface. No, blame it on Rio. <laughs> so, so it was my first, like, nudie flick. So I'm like, oh, wow. Exposed to a whole new world. Of you watched it with your dad? No, I watched it with the girl. And, and her cousin or something. Oh, okay. So we're sitting in the basement. Like, but everybody's the same age. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So I'm like, this is the first time I ever saw a booby on television. This was fantastic. This was awesome. And I was a very honest kid. So I told my dad, he's like, so, so, so dad's like, so what are we doing? I said, I want to see a movie. He's like, which movie? He's like, blame it on real. Whack! Right across my <laughs> face. Like, you're not supposed to be watching that. You're too young. I'm like, hey, dad, I didn't know you were current with your cinema. But that was awesome. <laughs> it's like the best movie ever. And um, so, so, okay, wait, 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 wait. They, they'll eventually get exposed to it. And, then, and so, on the flip side, hang on. So, if Alex, it's same scenario, but Alex said, like, I just saw, you know, like, what, how would you react to that? I probably wouldn't smack him, but I'd like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I wouldn't probably curse because I don't curse all that much. But, um, but mean, wouldn't you be happy that he has the indulgence to the the, the, the that he's you know? I mean, it sounds like you were happy, you what, like you I'll were just you were celebrating. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. What's gonna happen is what happens right now. Like if Alex does something like a wise ass comment, I'll I'll scold him, but I want to bust out laughing because it's so freaking brilliant. So when he walks away or he goes to his room, me and Anita start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's gonna happen. So it, it, we'll scold him just to make sure that he understands that he shouldn't be doing something. And then when he's away and he's out of the you know earshot, like. Start laughing about. It. I can't believe he did that. Open the windows. Open. Oh, but you know, it's it's hilarious. It's a, it's a learning process, but it's it's hilarious. So, but yeah, I mean, I I'm, I think I'm the morality police right now. So I, I make sure that he's you know learning things the way I think he should be learning them. Um, but uh, I mean, ultimately, when he grows up, it's going to be a whole different ball game. But at least I can give him a good grounding. <laughs> so what you know what we talked about before um, uh, and you know uh, the, just to kind of bring this full circle before we run out of time how we were talking about before in terms of our own um, you know how we all how we deal with that balancing act of of uh, you know keeping sane in terms of our own accomplishments versus our own shortcomings having having a child having a son in particular 
did uh, said help or hinder? I don't know. Um, having kids is a game changer. In any in any way you look at it, it changes life. Um, and ha- having my kids um, changed my perspective on a whole lot of things. Um, the world's become a lot more finite. Um, when you're young and you're without children, um, there's a lot more opportunities in terms of the way you think about what you want to do, where you want to go, what you want oh, to do. Oh yeah, see, your, your lifestyle changes, right? Dude, I, to, I, not, not, not to cut you off, yeah. I just got a text from something like before you came. I just got a text from this dude who I hadn't seen in a while and we reconnected. Like, hey, I'm, I'm at a bar at Lower East Side at 11 o'clock tonight. I'm like, <laughs> no, no. Are you fucking crazy? Are you I, fucking I, I, on meth? I have. Like, okay, like, I, like my scenario is not yeah. your scenario. Like, I'm sure oh, I could tell, I, I could tell Kaz, like, hey, I'm going right. out. But I don't fucking want, want to. to. <laughs> like, I have a girlfriend. We live together. Yeah. I have a happy life. I'm not going to go fucking, like, go to the fucking bar and meet you at 11 a.m. I'm 11 p.m. Are you fucking nuts? Yeah. No. And, anyway, and, and so. That's, and that's exactly right. And then, you know, it's even, it's, it's greater than that. It's greater than your, your self-serving needs to do things. Like, I mean, I lost the ability to, to go out to restaurants a long time ago. We go on dates. As a result of that, Eddie and I, and once in a while, we'll go on a date to rekindle the, the relationship or keep the relationship strong. I'm talking about a much bigger thing: um, moving, careers, right? Um, the need for family, the the, the well, lifestyle, I, right? I, the I way guess I speak, the way I talk, the way I. But walk. he's but like. Alex and Zoe are always going to come front first, right? Absolutely. In terms of like, yeah. in terms of reward, in terms of benefit, and like, yes. in terms of like, my kids, oh. my kids in my life are, are quite clearly the most important thing in my life, even ahead of my own. Should I work on my abs or should I play with Alex? Right. I'm going to play with Alex. Oh, I mean that's the thing. I mean I can, I can, and, that, and I had that dilemma two days, two days ago. I, I normally I used to work from uh, before I was living in London. I used to walk to Forty Second Street and take the Seven Train into to the house. Um, which is you know, a half hour walk, but it would only be a five minute train ride. Um, I, I was thinking about doing the same thing just yesterday, the day before, and then I'm like, well, that half hour walk, and then it's still a, a 40 minute ride on the train or a half hour ride. I, I'd rather just jump on the train right here and be with my kids sooner because they're going to go to sleep soon. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I say that, you know, it is. It changes your perspective on just about everything. Everything. Uh, I mean, ten years ago, I would have been willing to move to California, move to anywhere. Now I can't even think about leaving Queens. You know, it, it's impossible for. If, me if I get, if I left it up to Alex, where would he want to move to? Anywhere I want. Where I'm here. I mean, he. I think. I mean, is he aware of ge- geography? He is. He is because we've been to Egypt. We've been to India. We've we've been to. Japan. If I tell him that if he goes to India, he'll be he, around no, India. I tell you, if you ask, he'll him be like, where, oh, no, I, you ask him where he wants to go, he'll be like, I want to go to China. Hmm. I could talk him out of that. Yeah. Well, he also wanted to go, at the same time. He also wanted to go to Cambodia. So I don't know if. It's, <laughs> 
Those are very arbitrary. Well, because no, because he was learning, he was learning the Asian part of the map, and that's his like main. That's his first puzzle that he ever put together. Uh, that was a map, so he knows the Asian countries. What about Japan? Well, he likes Japan too because it's kind of out in the wild. Get the bullet train and yeah. Oh no, he knows what it, he knows. Shikansen. Just just ask him. You know what Shikansen is. Oh right, no, no, I remember. Yeah, he's really. But I'm just thinking like. Okay, maybe I'm being biased because I've been to Japan, but Japan is much more exciting than Cambodia. He likes Cambodia. Cambodia's a fun word. I feel like you'll get eaten by mosquitoes and like (laughs) all kinds of insects. Yeah, but it's a funner word. That's true. See, Cambodia. Well, um, hey man, thanks for doing this for me, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, Of course. um, You know, one thing I always ask my guests is, uh, you know, what is... What is happiness for you? Uh, what is happiness for me? Happiness is balance. Having balance in everything. Um, until I get to the, it's it's a Buddhist thought process, but I think it is exactly what I'm trying to achieve. If I can get to balance, I think I can find happiness. Right on, man. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like balance is something that uh, we may not necessarily achieve, but uh, I think it's a noble thing that we should strive to. And those that don't, then you become complacent or something even worse. Um, Right on, man. Bro, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Thank you, man. So there you have it, folks. My uh, The definitive Vandotron Curious World podcast conversation with uh, my man. Uh, Fred Said. Thank you, brother. Everybody, Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world.